Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, the 49ers have made the much-anticipated massive investment. Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State, played in the FCS, so played in lower division college football, but the 49ers were very willing to spend a total of three first-round draft picks and a 2022 third-round draft pick to pick Trey Lance to be their quarterback of the future. And they're also planning on keeping Jimmy Garoppolo for the 2021 season. So they have one deep quarterback room now. And, uh, Matt, that was Kyle Shanahan's and John Lynch's initial goal this offseason, to deepen the quarterback room. And they just did it probably through the most aggressive avenue possible by trading all those picks and then using – uh, the the new pick that they acquired, number three, for Trey Lance. Yeah, and it's a really good situation for, for Lance and, and for by extension for Shanahan and Lynch. I mean, Shanahan has had um, the luxury of, of working with prominent first-round picks in, in the past, uh, RG3 in Washington in 2012, and a couple of years that after that, uh, he was with the Browns when they drafted Johnny Manziel. I think he would say in both of those cases, those guys were uh, either rushed into action too soon or mismanaged from ownership. Um, you know, and, and things could happen to, to Trey Lance here that we're not foreseeing right now. But boy, this seems like the ideal situation that Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith apprenticeship type of situation where you have the ability to bring the guy along slowly. And then when the guy does finally start playing, he's not playing for a a ragtag team that's in rebuilding mode. He's playing for a team that's got talent um, at every corner. So my basic point here is that he's being set up for success. So I I think when you step back and look at it from a, a, a big picture view, David, that's the big takeaway, that the, the 49ers are setting this guy up and, and, by extension, setting themselves up for success. Absolutely. And the 49ers are in a unique position because normally that number three pick is associated with a bad team. The 49ers were an injured team in 2020, so if they are considerably healthier, as they expect to be in 2021, uh, the the situation should be a lot rosier for them and for Trey Lance if he does have to step in immediately at some point. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo has injury concerns. Uh, 2018 and 2020 were both lost due to injuries, so the 49ers aren't going to take that bet again you know he could deliver a 2019 and play all 19 games for the 49ers but he could also miss a few and that would push Trey Lance into some earlier action 
with that said, uh, that means that the structure of the team must be ready to accommodate a relatively raw rookie quarterback. And I say relatively raw because he's even more raw than these other players. Yeah, Mac Jones also only had 17 starts for Alabama. That was the same amount as Trey Lance. I think people didn't make a big enough deal of that. But Jones also played behind Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama as a backup for a while and got about 200 more snaps over the course of his career. For Trey Lance, it was those 17 games and 16 of them came in the 2019 season. And that was it. So the structure of the 49ers team needs to be set for Trey Lance to have an easy entry into the league. And I think you have to look at this whole offseason in context. The Alex Mack signing was huge, Matt. The Trent Williams re-signing was huge. And what are the 49ers do forward in the draft to you know add more talent along the offensive line, maybe some more versatile skill position talent on the offense? That all can help not only Trey Lance, but also Jimmy Garoppolo. And it, it, those who listen a lot or read me know that I hammer home pass protection, pass protection, pass protection. That's because it's so correlated to winning championships, and it's even more correlated to shepherding in a new rookie quarterback. And by extension, it helps your existing quarterback who has not benefited from the poor pass protection, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think that the 49ers cannot take their foot off the gas right now. They need to continue building this roster, especially the offensive side of it, particularly on the line, to make sure that it's all smoothed out and it's able to protect Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo well in 2021. Yeah, it's a good draft for offensive linemen, especially offensive tackles. But a lot of times, uh, those types of players can also slide inside to guard. And it's a really good draft for, for wide receiver. And, um, you know, t- talk about uh, shepherding in somebody or uh, accommodating uh, an existing quarterback. Uh, a really good slot re- receiver. And there are a lot of them in this draft. A lot of guys around, you know, 5'9", 5'10". They're not really outside guys, but they were super productive in college. Um, that just seem ideal fits for the slot position, and especially for this offense and for Garoppolo and what his skills are. For a guy who really likes the slot receiver, he's had uh, just a paucity of, uh, of options since he's been here. So that's going to help as well. And, um, you know, getting back to Lance, uh, listening to, to Kyle Shanahan yesterday, uh, basically one of the themes... Uh, of his press conference was decrying all the false speculation that went on during this whole process. And one of them was that uh, Kyle Shanahan has to have uh, or prefers an immobile uh, pocket passer. And he said he's always been interested in guys that can run. Now, he, he stopped well short of saying that he was going to turn Lance into a running quarterback. I, I felt like Lance did quite a bit of that at North Dakota State to, to the point where I was a little frustrated watching his game film because every other play was a, you know, a, 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 a draw by him up the A-gap uh, because he was such an effective and strong runner there. I don't think you're going to see that uh, with the 49ers, but um, there will be situations probably around the goal line where uh, Shanahan will see that as a huge advantage. Uh, he, he kept calling it 11-on-11 football, where you, the, the defense has to account for the quarterback as a runner. Uh, and he said on KMBR, uh, before he talked to us, that he liked the running style, too, that, that Lance ran in a way that sort of protected himself. And um, you and I both commented on that. When you watch his games at North Dakota State, 
he's not just running past these DBs. He's running over them sometimes and, and, and keeping his balance and getting into the end zone and things like that. So I, I think that appealed to Kyle Shanahan. It's just another uh, club in his bag, like I said, especially in short yardage situations, especially around the goal line, that they can pull out. This is a guy that ran for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns during that uh, 2019 undefeated season. You know where I really think the physicality appealed to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, Matt, I think it's the mentality that it showed that Trey Lance possesses. Of course you don't expect a guy to be trying to barrel over NFL linebackers, especially after you've spent three first-round picks and a third-rounder on him. I mean, he's way too valuable of an investment to have him playing the game like a fullback at the NFL level. But uh, so much of what the 49ers had to do with Trey Lance, because there was a relatively uh, minimal amount of tape on him, and it was fairly far back, back when he was 19 years old. He's not even 21 yet. He turns 21 next week. But back when he was 19 years old in that 2019 season, because of those limitations, the 49ers had to do a lot of projection. And you have to do a lot of projection with any draft prospect because the NFL is a big jump forward. But the biggest part of the deep dive and the trickiest part to nail down is the mentality. Because you don't know what it's going to be like and how a player is going to react when it's 17 degrees um, you know, in the sleet or in the snow at 17 degrees in Green Bay um, in week 15 or in the playoffs and your team is down four and there's just been a penalty flag thrown and it's third down and 17 and, it, and, and it's a huge play where the quarterback has to have his head on straight and, and has to have that alpha mentality to put the team on his back and make that conversion and push things forward, right? And to make that projection, to to get into the head of a player, you have to do the deep dive, right? And you also have to take certain mental characteristics that you see on film and project them to how that quarterback might perform at the NFL level. So I think Trey Lance's attitude, his ability to just drag piles run over defenders. He might not do that physically per se at the NFL level, but that willpower, that mental fortitude, that stability that he showed, that I'm just going to take this team on my back and we're going to score here. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch feel that mentality can translate to him leading men at the NFL level. Is it an exact science to project? Of course not. That's why a lot of these quarterback prospects flame out. That's why the 49ers have taken a massive risk in this situation. But anybody who does something like this takes a risk. However, it's a risk that generally you need to take to to be a perennial long-term power in the NFL. So uh, that's what I really love about Trey Lance's mentality or what you see on film, Matt, because I think it reflects on his mentality. Yeah, a team, I know the the 49ers run that that zone read and it's sort of seen as a finesse style of of running. But when you... When it when it's working, like like we saw in the playoffs in 2019 against Minnesota and Green Bay, <laughs> try, try convincing those defense that it's a finesse style of running. I mean, they're feeling it, and so adding a guy like Lance to that mix, um, I agree with you, is is only going to uh, sort of augment that uh, that philosophy. And and you're right. I mean, he's a guy that was overlooked. I mean, he comes in, he's got uh, the proverbial chip on his shoulder. He's from the upper Midwest. I mean, uh, you know, you have to go win a a playoff game in Green Bay or Chicago. (laughs) Fine. I grew up in Marshall, Minnesota. 
I, I did all my practices outdoors in Fargo, N- North Dakota. He's he's used to that. He's a tough guy. Um, you know, there certainly are some some clunkers in his his film. Um, I remember watching a, a playoff game. I think it was against Illinois State, where the the final score was nine to nothing, and. You know, a lot is made that he didn't throw any interceptions during that season. Well, there were a lot of balls, I'd say, I don't know, five or six that absolutely could have been intercepted, but the defensive back dropped it. Um, so he, he's not perfect, and the accuracy is something that he needs to work on, and certainly Shanahan is going to work him hard on that. But to your point, they, they also won all of those games, whether it was you know, 42 to, to 7 or 9 to nothing, um, he, he uh, sometimes took the, the game over with his legs. Uh, it, it melded well with the defense. Um, Shanahan was saying that there were very few two-minute drills for him to study. <laughs> That's because the quarterback and, and, and the coaching and the offense did such a good job that he was rarely in those situations. Um, so, uh, I think there was a lot to like from from the film. Uh, like I just said, it, it wasn't perfect, and, and people will go back and start looking at Trey Lance now, and they'll see some misses along the sideline. Sometimes his ball sails high. Um, it's all fixable. I mean, we saw that with, with Josh Allen, had an even um, more modest uh, completion percentage coming into the NFL than, than Lance does. Um, and in a couple of years, boy, he looked really polished, certainly against the, the 49ers last year. And those are, the, those are the comps. Those are the comps that I was hearing about. Josh Allen, Steve McNair, Dak Prescott. These are all big guys who can, uh, if the situation calls for it, can make plays with their legs. Uh, who, you know, obviously injuries are going to happen, but you would think at 225, the guy is a little bit more durable than the, the quarterback who's, you know, 199 pounds. So, um, so many positives here. And to me, again, the biggest one is that you don't have to rush it. You don't have to put the guy in before he's ready. That's a nice luxury to have in the NFL these days. Absolutely. That's, I mean, I think that's the most fascinating part of this dynamic. I got to write about it a little bit last night. Jimmy Garoppolo asked for Trey Lance's number right after the pick. He wanted to welcome him to the team, and this is going to be the key partnership for the 49ers in 2021. I mean, let's just look at the reality of the situation. Of course, we can't firmly rule out Garoppolo moving to another team. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch even aren't doing that. But it's highly likely that Garoppolo will be a 49er in 2021, and it became more likely on uh, Thursday night because look what happened. Two prospective suitors, probably the two most likely prospective suitors for Garoppolo's services, drafted Justin Fields and Mac Jones, respectively. Fields went to the Bears. Mac Jones went to New England. So very ironically, because a lot of people were writing and uh, certain that it would be either Mac Jones or Justin Fields that would cost Jimmy Garoppolo his job with the 49ers, uh, ironically, it's Mac Jones and Justin Fields that have uh, almost guaranteed Garoppolo's job with the 49ers because he's because they took the spots with the Bears and the Patriots, thereby eliminating potential landing spots for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, of course, other quarterback vacancies may, might pop up closer to the season, and that might make teams 
particularly desperate to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers might be quote unquote blown away by an offer. And that would mean that they might consider moving Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think based on all that we've talked about, based on the rawness, the, the accuracy that, that, that needs that polishing, uh, and just based on history, I mean, rookies generally slip up for a few games early on and the 49ers, if they're gunning for a title in 2021, they can't have slip ups that's why they want Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster to work with Trey Lance and to win them games in 2021. And if that creates an uncomfortable situation either now or farther down the road after Jimmy Garoppolo plays really well, if that happens in 2021, so be it for the 49ers. That's a problem they would love to have, right? So, Matt, it's just going to create this really, really fascinating dual quarterback situation that 49ers fans have obviously seen before. I mean, this franchise is famous for uh, sagas like that. It goes from Montana and Young to the Kaepernick-Alex Smith saga back in 2020. 12, but uh, it's it's one of those situations where the 49ers fans are going to be watching the drama again, I feel, and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch feel that it's good for the football team because, uh, you know, the, the common logic here is, is that it's better to have two capable quarterbacks than just one, and since the 49ers only had one truly capable quarterback in recent years, they saw a lot of wins turn into losses because of injuries. Albert Breer is a, a national reporter for Sports Illustrated, and he lives in the the Boston area, and he had had a good tweet on Thursday morning. It was, my condolences to my friends in Boston Sports Radio on the death of the Jimmy Garoppolo storyline. It was one hell of a run. I mean, there was no region that was pushing the 49ers are going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo uh, as strongly as the the New England-Boston region, And, and to the point where there was a report I guess it was on Wednesday that uh, the 49ers and Patriots were working on a contract that would facilitate a trade. That that wasn't happening. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, uh, but that particular thing was not occurring at that time. Uh, but it's been constant from that part of the country for, I don't know, the last five or six months. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as you noted, the, the Patriots now have Mac Jones and Cam Newton so that seems a lot le- less likely than it did uh, a few days ago. Um, but you're right. I mean, and, and I think this off-season program that's coming up is important. Jimmy Garoppolo has a $600,000 bonus tied to him attending. And, and John Lynch said the other day that that was the plan, that he would. And that's what the 49ers want and need. They, they need somebody who's a veteran quarterback who knows the system running the off-season program. Trey Lance can sit back and watch, but more important thing is that they have somebody who knows what he's doing at this point running the system. Everybody benefits that way. If, if you're kind of bringing along a rookie in the spring, everybody is sort of limited to the pace that the rookie has to play at. So I would say at least through the offseason, and, and I can understand why Jimmy Garoppolo would get a little nervous beyond that. He would spend an offseason and a training camp with the 49ers, and then if the 49ers really like uh, Trey Lance and how he's coming along, they might try to get rid of him later, and then Garoppolo would be parachuting into another team without the benefit of the offseason or the training camp. But again, I think that the likeliest scenario 
Mario is that Garoppolo is here the whole season. This is a team that wants to win, not just uh, have a winning record, but go to the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. And maybe they could do that with Trey Lance coming in at the end of the year, sort of like what Colin Kaepernick did in 2012. But a more likely scenario is that Garoppolo would be the starter from start to finish. Yeah, and it's exactly how we drew it up. I'm proud of us, Matt. Throughout a lot of noise, we thought that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo plus rookie quarterback room and we both mock drafted Trey Lance to the 49ers so we we thought that would be the the best possible course of action and god there was a lot of noise something that we probably have to address right now throughout the course of the entire month of April it turned out that the Mac Jones stuff was just bouncing around an echo chamber that you know we talk about Kyle Shanahan's ideal quarterback and if you actually just listen to the facts and you listen to what Kyle Shanahan said Time and time again, when he was talking about his ideal quarterback, he doesn't lie, right? He always said that he would ideally want somebody who is, first and foremost, excellent from the pocket, but is also athletic enough to move the pocket and to add that extra wrinkle to the offense. I mean, Kyle grew up uh, watching Steve Young as a ball boy because his dad was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers, and obviously he grew up as a teenager uh, with the Denver Broncos and John Elway. Those are both quarterbacks who won from the pocket who also had the requisite athleticism to expand the parameters of the offense. So Kyle Shanahan, every time that we've asked him about this, has, has emphasized it. Yes, that is the ideal. And for some reason, people just didn't believe him. And they thought that Mac Jones was, was his ideal. When Mac Jones didn't even run under center in college, I mean, it just upsets me so much when you look at the usage of Mac Jones in college and and then you say just because he's going to blind stereotype because he looks like Kirk Cousins that he he – he somehow fits Shanahan's scheme better than Trey Lance. No, Trey Lance actually ran what Shanahan does. Mac Jones didn't. Mac Jones ran RPOs 52% of the time and didn't drop back from under center. So Kyle Shanahan was telling us throughout the years, throughout this whole process, what his type of quarterback is. And if you look at all those quotes, they point right at a guy like Trey Lance and maybe at a guy like Justin Fields, but more at Trey Lance because he has more of that under center experience, right? Uh, and, but, but throughout this all, for some reason, this whole Mac Jones thing took off and just started bouncing off the walls, but it was never true, right? It was never true. Kyle Shanahan, at the end of the day, this was a litmus test on what he wants philosophically out of a quarterback, and it ended up showing us exactly what Kyle Shanahan has been trying to tell us for a long time, that if he is going to invest a ton of value which he did with those first round draft picks and the trade and everything, then he's going to be looking for a potentially transcendent player. And transcendent in Kyle Shanahan's mind is not just some kind of pocket executor distributor. He wants to move to somebody who could potentially become a Steve Young or a John Elway. Not saying it's going to happen, but when you trade as much as they did for Trey Lance, that's the ceiling that you see, right? And I think it's good to have it philosophically reinforced in people's minds that Kyle Shanahan is indeed looking for it all at the quarterback position. Yeah, and and we heard him say that when uh, the 49ers played the Bills and uh, after Josh Allen just absolutely bludgeoned uh, the 49ers and didn't really do it with his legs as far as picking up ground yards, but he was able to buy extra time. He played in the pocket he took with it the the defense gave him he it was an extraordinary game um and um you know shanahan in so many words said that you know that was the kind of ideal type of quarterback game now uh, i will say though that during the thursday press conference shanahan and lynch made it sound like 
Lance was their guy from day one, from from January on. I I have to wonder whether there there is some uh, you know you know after they made that pick, um, they went back and, and and tried to kind of paint it that way. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the story comes out because there were some very forceful reports, and it wasn't wasn't just speculation after they made the trade. It was uh, sort of uh, very sure worded reports that oh the the pick is going to be Mac Jones. There's no question about that, and they were coming from national reporters with ties to the 49ers. So I I, I wonder what the real story is. Uh, obviously, it's not that. They were sold on Jones, and Jones was going to be the guy the whole time. But I also don't think that it was it was um, Trey Lance from the get go. There's just too many question marks about him. I think um, just the the lack of experience, the 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 level of play, that stuff to commit to him that early. They didn't send anybody uh, of note. There may have been a scout to that early March pro day, and and, and maybe that was because they didn't want to kind of tip their um, uh, or uh, get people to, to think that they liked uh, Trey Lance at that point. But you would have thought you would at least send your QB's coach or the assistant GM at that time. That was always peculiar, and it struck everybody as, as odd. That's what sort of bothered me the most throughout that process, is that I kept thinking, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, you know, he fits in so many ways. Why aren't they doing more research on him? It turns out that they were, but uh, they were doing it sort of from the weeds the whole time. And then when they got to number three, uh, they could be a little bit more apparent about the whole thing. Uh, my my point on all this is I don't think we totally know what the story is. Um, and we might not know for a number of years, but uh, I, I have a sense that it's a, a lot more complicated than the simple, yeah, uh, Trey Lance was our guy from early January on, and there was no other sort of uh, competition uh, among the other guys. Well, bingo on the 49ers coming out of the bushes after the trade on March 26th. What convinced me that it was Lance um, from from that point on was the, the, the paper trail or the, the scouting breadcrumb trail from yeah. that point on, at least uh, at least over Mac Jones. Because there was no scouting breadcrumb trail for Mac Jones. That, that's what made a lot of the Mac Jones talk suspicious to me. Because the 49ers obviously went to his pro day. Um, but that seemed to be the, the only piece of actual scouting evidence that people would present. You did some great reporting on this, Matt. John Beck worked with Justin Fields. That's uh, John Beck is uh, Kyle Shanahan's former quarterback in Washington, who's now one of those quarterback uh, gurus. And Kyle, Kyle trusts his opinion. And uh, John Beck had, had been working with Justin Fields already, but he added Trey Lance to his docket on the 49ers request. I thought that was huge. He did not add Mac Jones to his docket, right? And then, you know, another, I don't want to say smoking gun, but another big piece of evidence that I think was very significant was the fact that Jordan Matthews, a former receiver of Kyle Shanahan's for the 49ers, so somebody who was familiar with Shanahan's route trees and uh, and, and just entirety of the offense and all those nuances, uh, he actually came to North Dakota State's second pro day that the 49ers held for Trey Lance and you know specifically tailored for him. I don't think that you bring along uh, an NFL caliber receiver, especially a specific one that knows your system. You, you, I mean, you're going through a lot to bring him to Fargo, North Dakota. 
um, unless you are seriously considering that quarterback as a prospect. So both Justin Fields and Trey Lance, it was clear that the 49ers were putting a lot of effort into scouting them. And whenever you talk to somebody who was like, oh, well, it's still going to be Mac Jones, they would say, oh, that's because Mac Jones is more refined and the 49ers are sure about him, so they don't need to do that due diligence. Really? Mac Jones, the the guy that has the same amount of career starts as Trey Lance and fewer career starts than than Justin Fields? I, I mean, I would think that you would do the same amount of due diligence on him. So I think that the 49ers did tip their hand a little bit, but actually away from Mac Jones if you looked at the scouting details yeah. throughout it. So I thought the biggest piece of reporting throughout this whole process was yours with with John Beck. I mean, John Beck got me on that Fields Lance tunnel vision, right? Um, and then it turns out that Fields dropped for uh, whatever reasons, that's going to be another story that we have to learn in, in in the future. But he he a lot of teams ended up passing on Justin Fields. But the the you know Apple in the 49ers eye was Trey Lance for all the reasons that we talked about earlier. I was assigned to write uh, a big piece about their pick, and I didn't know if it was going to be Mac Jones or Trey Lance. So during the week, um, you know, I wanted to get a lot of it, a lot of the reporting out of the way, so that um, that would be done. And on Thursday night, I could just write. So I ended up calling, I don't know, maybe five or six people, uh, you know, both affiliated with, with Trey Lance and with Mac Jones. And I talked to two of Mac Jones's quarterback coaches, including one guy that's been with him his whole life, Joe Dickinson, um, you know, and up until the draft as well. Dickinson was in the green room with Mac Jones. They were working out in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and so I was asking him questions, and one of the questions was, you know, I assume the 49ers have called you. You know, did you talk to John Lynch, and, uh, you know, what, what, what types of questions did Lynch ask you? No, nobody called him. Um, so uh, that, that does sort of support the they were on um, Trey Lance for the last two weeks, because that's the type of guy, as you noted, that you would call to, to learn about the character, to learn about the work ethic, to learn what his days are like in the run-up to the draft. And there wasn't a call to him. There wasn't a call to the other QB coach that he worked with. Um, so that does support a, you know, at least towards the end, a the 49ers were um, dead set on Trey Lance. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, from a value perspective, right? When it would have been a horrific move from a value perspective for the 49ers to trade from number 12 to number 3, uh, and pick Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones wasn't going to come off the board earlier. I mean, somebody was trying to tell me on Twitter that, oh, maybe Carolina would have been interested in him before the 49ers made the trade and and before they got Darnold from the Jets. And, you know, it's just a stretch to me. Every single reputable talent evaluator that I talked to throughout this whole offseason process, um, their opinion of Mac Jones uh, was much lower than of the other uh, quarterbacks that that yeah. did end up going higher than him, right? So the 49ers had to have known. There was such a huge discrepancy between what evaluators were saying about Jones and and what you know the the reporters were saying the 49ers would do at number three. Um, and then in the end, the the evaluators were right. Um, you know, uh, I, I think our Dane Bruler had him ranked at number twenty five and. Um, uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him ranked as, as the number 32 best prospect and 
the ESPN guy had him ranked number 15. I mean, that's that's about where he goes. You you uh, expect a quarterback to be taken a little bit higher than where his talent has him. Um, and in the end, that group was right. I, I will give Brewler a lot of credit. As soon as the trade was made in, in, uh, in March, um, he wrote and was mostly consistent about it that, you know, my instinct tells me that they're going up to get Trey Lance. And he stuck to his guns right up until the end when he was swayed in his, in his final mock draft. But Dane had that for the last uh, month and a half, like, uh, you know, from, from late March on. Um, and it turns out that he was right. So um, sticking to your guns is, uh, is probably the, uh, uh, the lesson uh, we, we should take away from uh, forecasting, uh, forecasting the draft. Yeah, just gut, gut feeling. It, it almost seemed, too, that, you know, just as a final thought here, Justin Fields almost had this PR campaign going for him on social media. I mean, I know the fans loved him, but it was just like sometimes it just something smells off when there's – some guy's greatness is just being pumped in your face on a daily basis. Yeah. I th- always tend to believe that the truth is somewhere in between. So everybody just wanted to trash Mac Jones as much as possible. Listen, I don't think Mac Jones is a bad quarterback. I, I wrote pieces on this about how, I mean, he set college efficiency records. I don't care how good your supporting cast is to set college efic- efficiency records. You have to be doing something right at the quarterback position. So Mac Jones was not nearly as bad as people were making him out to be. And Justin Fields is not nearly as good as people were making him out to be. It, it, the truth was always somewhere in the middle there. Um, not surprisingly, one was picked at, what, 11, and one was picked at 15. And then the guy that m- many few, much fewer people were talking about, Trey Lance, is the one who the 49ers actually favored at number three. So it just goes to show you that usually it's that you know quieter middle ground that ends up being right. And I think especially in these days of social media is that those extremes, the hatred for Mac Jones and the love for Justin Fields are both blown out of proportion, right? So, boy, are you happy it's over, Matt? Over. We got uh, day two and day three to go. Then, then the yeah, undrafted but, guys. <laughs> that's just, just work, though. I just had to ask you before we sign off here. Did I just felt the anxiety of the fan base as that pick was coming. It felt more intense than any field goal for game winner or a – or a fourth down conversion ever felt in a stadium. Did you feel that kind of palpable tension before that pick that the 49ers made on Thursday? Yeah, and and I felt the opposite when Shanahan and Lynch were on Zoom. I I, I thought it, relief was the the word that came to mind. Uh, they looked like guys who were you know keeping a secret and and doing all this work, and that they were just happy that it was over. Um, which is interesting because they do have eight more picks to go. So they've got a lot of work to do. But, uh, yeah, there was a sense that uh, whew, our, uh, our work is done here. We finally have bolstered this, this quarterback room, and, and we, uh, we looked at a lot of avenues, and this is, this is the choice, and we're happy with it. Yeah, it almost feels like the fun part is, is now because that was just incessant rumor mill. Just It was ridiculous for all of yeah, April, so yeah, it. Yeah, it was not God fun. Right, exactly. I, I agree with you. Yeah, that was work. Star Wars comparison as, as we close it off. I, I felt that the rumors and all of that, it was like, uh, it was like the Emperor in Star Wars, right, uh, in Return of the Jedi, where he's just electrocuting you the whole time. <laughs> and and we, were, we were like Darth Vader. We, we picked him up and 
we threw them over the, the, into the, the energy shaft. And uh, maybe that's not a good example because Darth Vader dies because he does that. But uh, Kyle Shanahan did say that we might not be alive by Sunday. So it's I thought true. that was a, it, I, I felt the same kind of relief though, you know, uh, of April ending. So that, that's my, that's my analogy for it. Anyway, um, good talking to you, Matt. Dennis will be on with us next time. Uh, we are going to delve way further into Trey Lance and what he actually brings the 49ers from an X's and O's standpoint. We just had to keep a bigger picture because so much happened. We didn't even get to Jed York tweeting, but we'll talk about that next time too. Dennis might have some thoughts on it. Anyway, for Matt Barrows, this is David Lombardi. This has been the Here's the Catch podcast. We'll talk to you very soon.